0: Sign that we are rolling. This is it, episode four. 37 of no laugh track podcast here at acme comedy company in minneapolis the epicenter of comedy this week i mean is an understatement it's uh, acme celebrating 30 years of being open this week so why not talk to someone who isn't a stand-up comedian that's how you know you've run out of guests it took 437
1: episodes and there's no more comics it's like i don't just get a guy just get a guy let we'll him talk
0: so we asked everyone that's gonna participate this week everyone turned me down no uh we tried. We decided to go a different route, and I believe this is the first person known mostly as a writer and author that I've talked to on the podcast. I haven't even said your name yet. Patrick Strait is here with me at Acme, talking about comedy, talking about we're going to talk about a book that you wrote that I have read and am a fan of, and well, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about Acme's thirtieth because I know that uh, you've done quite a bit of research about that. Yeah, and I've been a tiny part of. Uh, nine years of Acme, I guess. Started this podcast in 2012, so I got a little attachment to it as well.
1: You've seen, you've seen plenty. I'm sure you've got enough stories to fill out, uh, fill out your own podcast here. So uh, yeah, I could. And for then 537th, That's when we're gonna switch roles, and I'll do you. So. Uh, that's a deal. There that sounds go. perfect. Those I uh, milestones.
0: <laughs> I, I know, but if, if or when that happens, I will have to go and. Uh, I imagine I like when you dealt with people um, in writing the book that you did about comedy in Minnesota. That uh, there's sometimes stories that people don't want to get out and that are very apprehensive about sharing them. Even they're the ju- even though they're the juiciest,
1: right? Oh yeah, and they love to do the thing where they want to tell you. You know, comics. Comics want to tell you the story, and then afterwards they have that moment where they're like. Uh, you're going to let me read that first, right? Or they'll go but, but but I mean that's off that's off the record. That's off the record. Like mm-hmm. they, but they want you to know every gory detail. So yes, I I have I've experienced plenty of that. Yes, so. yes.
0: So let's get to know you a little bit here at the start of this podcast. So you how I from from what I know about you, I know that you're not originally from Minnesota.
1: That is correct. correct. I'm actually from Michigan. Yep. Michigan. Yeah.
0: How do you end up in Minnesota writing about comedy? Great question. First, so, let's first start with the, how did you end up in Minnesota?
1: So I moved out here like every other uh, wildly successful uh, comedy writer. I moved out here because my girlfriend at the time moved out here. So I was like, let's do it. So yeah, I moved out here in 2007. So it's been almost 15 years now. Okay. So it's been a long time. And... Um, it's funny because I – so I lived downtown, and, like, I'd been to comedy shows before. Like, I was familiar, obviously. I knew stand-up comedy existed. But, like, mm-hmm. I had never really been in, like, a comedy scene before. And actually, the first – like, the first weekend that I lived in Minneapolis, my wife – well, ex, excuse me. Let's start. My girlfriend at the time, who then was wife and then was ex-wife. There you go. Oh, Anyways, I was going to ask her There that. you go. She, uh, So she actually had to go out of town. So I was like, okay, I have no friends. I know nobody. Like, I need something to do. And I looked in City Pages, and there was an ad for Acme Comedy Company. And okay. I was like, okay. And it was Alonzo Bowden was the headliner. And oh, I had yeah. just gotten done watching. He had just won Last Comic Standing. And I was like, oh, okay, I know who that is. Let's go check it out. So I literally walked. I had no idea the distances in downtown Minneapolis because I would never been around here. So I walked from like kind of over by like the basilicas where my apartment was all the way down to here.
0: So, uh, yeah, from one side of downtown to the so other. So literally,
1: basically. yeah, I, I clearly had no idea about the geography <laughs> of downtown Minneapolis at that point. None. (laughs) But uh, I got down here. It was like a Saturday night. And the good news is, I mean, it was totally sold out. But the good news is I was by myself. So they were able to sneak me in or they were able to swing me. And it was funny because there was a couple people who I still remember were so drunk and they were arguing because they were like, you know how hot tip for those listening who are coming to the 30 year. If you don't get here on time, they will give away your seats. It will happen. And I remember seeing these people just pissed and just arguing. And while they were arguing about, it, I said, "Yeah, but you got you got like a single C, right?" And they said, "Yeah, you're fine." So, anyways, but um, yeah,
0: get here uh, at least a half an hour before yes. showtime, or your tickets may be gone.
1: Exactly. It's just gonna be it's just gonna be you and me. That's gonna be who's gonna be taking the tickets. <laughs> but um, no. So I came in, and I remember it was yeah, Alonzo and uh, Amber Preston was the MC then. Yes. Hit. Yeah, and it was super funny show. They're both great, and I was like, you know, really revved up about it i'm sure i mean i was still drinking at that point so i'm sure i was very very lubricated but um sure. you know after i my 6 mile walk home like i was really <laughs> excited about coming back and seeing more shows so i was coming back here on like a weekly basis seeing whatever show it was yeah. and it was funny cuz like you know the headliners like i knew the headliners obviously from tv or wherever it was but i got really interested in like the openers and the mcs and i had no idea at that point how any of this worked right like, i didn't know that they were like local like i saw I saw Amber, like, two or three times over the course of a few months, and I kept being like, how does she keep coming back here? You know, not realizing she's probably closer to this place than I am. It's interesting because a yeah. lot of my
0: early uh, first visits to Acme, it's, I I have memories of Amber Preston being yes. the feature yes. MC. Yes, she worked a lot.
1: Uh huh. We have similar tastes is <laughs> what that means. So we were coming to see the same headline. <laughs> I guess means, so. And they were just putting her up. Uh-huh. But, um, and I remember I finally came down for open mic night, and it was so crazy because to me, you know, my perception of stand-up comedy and stand-up comics at that point was if you're doing comedy in like a big club like this you're like famous like you're a celebrity comic to me right sure and i'm seeing all these people who i had seen as like openers like i remember amber was here uh tommy ryman was just kind of getting his start i think he was mc at that point um gosh who else was it? eric allen i think was just starting to do some stuff Uh um man i could go on and on but um I'm looking at this and I'm like, oh, my gosh, Like I, I recognize all of these people. And then it kind of started to occur to me like, oh, this is how this works, right? Like this is how comics build their sets. Sure. And they do this kind of thing. So my very long-winded answer to your question, Justin, <laughs> is I saw that, but I'd never read about any of these people. And I was like, well, that would be a really cool thing to, to know more about. And I just started working for City Pages on the side. And there was really nobody covering comedy at that point. Like, Brian Miller came along, but he was a comic, so he didn't really want to do... Like, he he was very careful about not crossing the line too much. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just kind of pitched it. And I remember Tommy Ryman was actually the first person I ever, ever interviewed. First comic I ever interviewed. It's a good one. And people were super into it, and it just kind of built from there. And then, you know, it became just MCs and openers and features and open micers. And then I got into, you know, maybe some of the more headliners who were coming to town... And it just kind of grew from there. And, it's, and that was
0: all for City Pages at That the was time? all for City Pages. What and were then, you writing yep. about before you came here? Were you writing for someone else? Something no, else? City
1: Pages was my first thing I was writing. I mean, I was doing you know normal boring day job stuff. Okay. Actually, um, I hate to get this because it's going to get Googled, but my original <laughs> City Pages role was I was the quote-unquote erotic specialist of City Pages. That was my first official writing job of City Pages. I, I pitched the idea of doing this super, like, tongue-in-cheek um, erotic specialist, but, like, you know, sex expert. And, you know, it was all super over-the-top, super insane. Like, I remember one night I went and worked, like, a an overnight shift at Sex World, um, and I wrote all about what that was like. But, I mean, I did it very much, like, of the attitude of, like, this guy who has way too much confidence, which I was 25 at the time, so I probably did have probably way did. too much confidence. <laughs> but even more so than that. So like I did that. I went out to fun fact. Did you know there's a nudist campground out in uh oh gosh where is it now? It starts with a B. B. Uh, I'll come back to me here in a second. But, well, um, I uh,
0: maybe only because I worked in morning radio for a long time, and you end up hearing about yeah, things like that. Yeah, that's how you know about it. Yeah, that's how you know about. it. And then it. you end up getting on the phone with those people, and then they end up sending pictures mm-hmm, that they mm-hmm. weren't supposed to take, and you, you your interest in ever like like peering in on one of those things goes to zero. <laughs> oh yeah, let me
1: tell you. They sent City Pages sent myself and a photographer out to the campground. For real. Oh yeah, cuz they were going to do the um like it was like the they were setting a world record for the world's largest skinny dipping. And so it's just he and I out there for the day and it was like if you've ever been to like a campground, right? Like a uh what is it? Like KOA. Sure. It's the nudist campground is the exact same as the KOA except everybody's naked. Yeah. Like I mean the clientele, it's all it's all my dad, man. It's all it's all your parents <laughs> hanging out. Just Donald Ducking it, man. Just t shirt, no <laughs> pants, just living life to the fullest. It is not the It is not the 80s uh party movie that you would hope it is. No, uh, no, no, it's no, not. Uh-uh. No, So, wow, that's a good dark term. But yes, that's how I got started doing writing with city pages.
0: Yeah. You didn't you didn't you didn't want to stick with that.
1: You know, I did it for like I probably did a lot of those for about a year, year and a half. Honestly, I think everybody just kind of got burned out. There's there's only so much sexy things you can talk about in Minneapolis. Um, there's just, just you know, I think I peaked. I hit them all. Sure. Every... was every
0: strip club, every sex shop. I and... did. I
1: hosted uh, Amateur Night. I hosted an Amateur Night over at, uh, what was it? I don't know if it's there anymore. It was Sinners, the strip club that was attached to Sex World. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. I hosted an uh, Amateur Night there. I, let's see, what else did we do? Um, my gosh, I feel like I just did.
0: What was that overnight like? You said sex world?
1: Yes. Okay. First thing, insane. That's the short answer. Um, longer answer is it's surprisingly busy. Yeah. And you get, like, you know, the, like, you know, you get couples and, Mm -hmm. like, young kids and stuff like that. It was, like, a, like, Thursday night or something. And then you also get the guys, though, who, like... It's like your dad, right? Like, everybody went to bed. I keep saying everybody's your dad now, but it's like everybody's <laughs> What do you know about dad, my dad? <laughs> I, he's, he hangs out with me a lot, apparently. But um, it's like a lot of, like, guys who, it's like, I don't know, the family went to bed and they said they had to run out real quick and they're using, like, the Interesting. boots and stuff. Yeah, it was wild. Interesting. And, um, yeah, what would my
0: excuse be? I mm-hmm. uh, m- Milk. They're out everywhere. Exactly. Uh, exactly. I had to go to Minneapolis to get milk.
1: And I don't know, and I can't, I mean, this is, like, you know, 2008-ish, so... I mean, we have phones at that point, but maybe it's not like, maybe people don't have the same streaming. I don't know. That's a different conversation sure. for a different day. But <laughs> I remember the craziest thing I saw when I was there, and it was just sheer, pure luck, was we're sitting there, and we see this couple, me and the guy working. I still remember this. We saw this couple go into the bathroom, and he just kind of rolls his eyes, and he goes, I know what, I know what this is. Yep. Like, I'll take care of it. And so he's going to go in there and break it up. It was not what he thought it was. He goes in there and he's screaming, and the the woman is just physically attacking this poor man. Oh no! And like, there's like a mop, like, there's like, you know, like the cleaning supplies because they were cleaning. There better swing be swinging a mop at this guy. And I'm, you know, from here to the wall, just like, this is the best night of my life. You know, I'm 25 years old and I'm witnessing this insane fight scene in the middle of sex world. And so it's funny because he got done and everybody got kicked out and he came back. And I was like, so that was that was crazy right like that's not usual and he goes i mean i get that like probably like once a month and i was like this is the wildest place in the world yeah i wonder
0: what that disagreement could be in the sex shop you know uh, i'm I'm sure
1: it was i'm sure whatever it was it was well thought out it was sober it was right it was really it was really introspective and i'm sure they both became better people and grew from the experience Mm -hmm. i want this one
0: no bigger uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, cheaper, I don't know, who knows
1: So what happens when you see your partner on a box And you go, oh, we need to talk about this right now
0: Yeah, 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 yeah Yeah. Uh, one more thing I want to say about that uh, Chris Gethard was here, you know, in the last few months oh, yeah And he does that show, uh, Beautiful Anonymous mm-hmm. And one of his guests recently was someone That uh, was telling a story about working at a sex shop once A woman And she learned that uh, when people walk into the store You don't want to greet them and be like Hey, how are you doing? <laughs> How's your night? Yeah, yeah. I don't. Did do they warn you about that? To just keep, keep to yourself? These people want to be anonymous. You know, They'll they, come to you if they want to talk.
1: They didn't say that to me. I mean, it's been a while. I don't feel like there was a really uh, in-depth training degreeter. process. <laughs> I don't think that they were really... They didn't make me read the manual. Uh, I think the guy was just happy to have somebody else to hang out with for a couple I of suppose. hours. I suppose, yeah, right? But, um, yeah, so... <laughs>
0: That's fantastic. Uh, so you work. Well, let's go back to so then. Sure. City Pages. Then you switch from writing about the uh, sex shops and all of that mm-hmm. entertainment to go talk uh, to write more about comedy. Correct. Yep. And then City Pages goes strong, and everybody's picking one up every week. When I was a kid, I grew up in the Twin Cities. Mm-hmm. My dad. We knew every. I ended up knowing so many newsstands in the Twin Cities, St. Paul, basically, that had the Twin Cities Reader and City Pages. Yeah. And because and Wednesdays, my dad would drive, and I would have to run up into the lobby of the library and grab him a copy of both, and it was like our tradition. It's how you know what's going on for the week back yeah, ab- then. Absolutely. And now City Pages is gone.
1: It is, But yes.
0: that has not stopped you from writing.
1: That's right. No, I, you know, it was, like you said, for a while, I kind of lucked into becoming the de facto comedy writer in town. I was doing City Pages, uh, The Growler magazine, which was around before the pandemic. Yes. I was doing all their comedy Oh, that writing. was a good one, too. And actually, my first feature I wrote for The Growler, it was really cool. They actually let me come here, and I interviewed a group of comics just, you know, about Acme and what was going on at the time. And I remember it was, like, Brian Miller and uh, Cy was here, Simonson. Yep. Uh, I think Andy Erickson was here. And it was funny because I remember uh, Pat Sussmilch was supposed to be a part of it, and then he canceled at the last minute and got super weird. And it turned out it was because he had, like, advanced in, like, Last Comic Standing. They had been taping around that same time. And he was too, like, nervous to be around the other comics because he didn't know who knew what. And so he was just like, I'm, I'm just not going to go. Oh,
0: I've never heard that. Yeah, That's very so, interesting. So that was
1: funny. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, I was doing The Growler. I did uh, Thrillist. I did a couple of different That's publications. Right. And then, yeah, I mean, pandemic hit. And all of a sudden, you know, Growler went down. A month later, City Pages went down. Um, and I kind of had this moment where I was like, there's nowhere, I mean, not for my sake necessarily, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love to write, I love the, being a part of the, the Twin Cities culture and all that, but I was kind of like, there's nobody left covering comedy, like... Neil Justin, bless his heart, for the Star Tribune, you know he still covers it to a degree, but obviously he's got a much wider net. For sure. So he's not necessarily able to get into, you know, the some of the locals and the up and coming acts and things like that. Right, right, right. And so I just decided, you know what? I mean, I don't know what's going to come next. I figured somebody would come along to fill that city pages niche eventually, but uh, I just started doing my own website and doing my own comedy writing, and that's what I did for the next year until, till now. Yeah. So. You wrote a big, and I—I
0: I read the thing that uh, you were mentioning to Lewis before we started. Yeah, you did a, you, there's a brand new thing you wrote. About the 30-year history, the start, I guess, of Acme, mm-hmm. that that uh, was posted today. It was. So now, what? Now, what? Uh, what app? What website is? could people find that?
1: That is over on Racket. So Racket, Racket is new. Racket right? is new. Racket just launched back in August, right around the time of the fair. So racketmn.com. Uh, it was a group of the the last editors from City Pages came together after that whole nonsense happened and they decided to launch a reader funded alt publication in the twin cities and it's awesome it's very much the same spirit as city pages very locally focused um but what's cool about those guys is they are you know they're still providing the same arts culture events type coverage but they're getting more in depth with stuff so yeah so what they let me do is because originally i had said hey i want to write about acme's 30 year anniversary and they actually first were like everybody's going to be writing about it. We know it's going to be a ton of really good comedians and like, we'll cover that. But like, there's not like a, a feature here necessarily beyond like, Hey, come see a lot of good comedians. Yeah. And my attitude was, okay, but what if we went back in time and, you know, beyond the comics, which, you know, I encourage everybody to read every piece and watch every interview and listen to every interview that comes out this week, of all the comics. But I was like, what if we go talk to the people who are here before Acme was Acme, you know, before it was the big deal it is. And that's what that feature is all about, exactly.
0: Yes, you have pulled out names that I've like only just kind of heard in passing, or even not at all. And I, you know, one of my favorite parts of my life, honestly, is coming here after the podcast. I love the podcast. It's a highlight of my week. But to have the talks with Lewis afterwards in the office or out front of this building and to get his... Uh, his stories are just uh, amazing, and when your book came out, he was so much like. Did you read the book? Did you read the book? He wanted. <laughs> he was like, w- like wanted me to read that and then follow up with the questions that I had to him, and I did, and it was so interesting and so much fun. So thank you for doing that and Absolutely. helping me uh, learn more about Lewis and Acme, and I mean the names are just people. You really dug deep.
1: Yeah, you know it was fun. I mean, I I'd, I'd heard. A couple of the names, and one of the names actually came to me. So there's a woman named uh, Jen Jen Bryce, who I I can't remember what her maiden name was. It's escaping me when she worked at Acme. But she had been part of the – she was the marketing director for the old Scott Hansen's comedy galleries back in the day, and that's how she met Lewis. Mm -hmm. And then she came here uh, a couple years into Acme, and she started doing booking and some marketing and promotions. And she actually reached out to me about a month ago because she had read the book, and it was kind of one of those – the memories came and came flowing back, right? And she yeah. actually said, hey, you know, I really want to sit down with you. I want to talk about it. Um, but her original reason for reaching out to me was because there's something in that book about Lewis that she was very upset about, and she wanted to make sure that she set the record straight about. And that was actually the real reason that she reached out to me. Okay. What if we just left it there, and I didn't tell anybody what that was? Yeah. How bad would that be? Uh-huh. So? so? so here's what it is. So I'm going <laughs> to tell you. So... Without you know, this is my my commercial for my own book, but you know, there's a there's a really in depth look in the book, Funny Thing About Minnesota Available Now, um, about the kind of Lewis's arrival into to the Twin Cities and how he got started in comedy and the the falling out he had with Scott Hansen, who was really the comedy kingpin of the Twin Cities back in the eighties and early nineties even. Yep. And so I had asked, you know, I asked for Both guys, Scott was still with us at the time, so I'd ask Scott and I asked Lewis. I said, okay, what happened? And they both gave me, you know, here's what happened. And, you know, usually when you hear, like in an oral history, usually when you hear two people give their version of the same story, it's usually close. Like, maybe a couple details are different. Like, you can tell maybe they've they've maybe kind of softened the edges of their own side of it a little bit. But this was two entirely different stories. Two entirely different stories. And... The the comment that Scott said, and I'll say it here, is he essentially went into detail about how Lewis had ties to organized crime, the the tong. And and he goes into that's where, you know, Lewis's money came from to to start all these clubs. And for those of you I mean, you've met Lewis, for those of you who've met Lewis, when you see Lewis Lee, you definitely think Organized crime kingpin.
0: Definitely. Uh, Literally the most intimidating person I've ever met.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) And he said this to me. And I'm sitting here. And I mean, I've known Lewis now for, yeah, about 10, 12 years. And I'm like, Lewis Lee. He's like, oh, yeah, definitely. I'm like, okay. So I called Lewis and I said, okay, I'm telling you, here's what he said. You know, I, and I told him, I said, you know, this feels very this doesn't feel true. This feels very salacious. And part of me is also like, and if this is true, there's no way that I'm getting myself wrapped up in this and putting this in a book. Right? Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I am thinking that as well. But so I asked Lewis and I said, well, what do you, you want to say? And Lewis was very diplomatic about it. He said, you know, go ahead and keep, keep it in there. And he goes, you know, that comment and Scott's Scott's comment about that demonstrates what Scott Hansen's opinion is of Asian Americans, of immigrants in this country. That was, and that was all he said about it. So to go back to Jen, Jen had read that piece and she was super upset because she was here. Like she saw it, she was a part of it all. So she knew, no, she knew there was no backhanded, you know, uh, organized crime, anything. Like, she knew how hard Lewis had worked, how his family had supported the clubs, how he had managed to, you know, kind of scrape together the money. And she was really upset to see that that was, that that was out there. That, yeah. that was even part of the conversation. And apparently that had been part of the conversation for many, many years. Apparently that's a story that Scott had been putting out there for quite some time. And she actually had originally just wanted to sit down to make sure that I knew no that wasn't it like that did not happen and and then we got to talking and that kind of you know obviously got us to a place where we started talking more about the club and the history and her time here and started bringing up like you said more old names and it's it was just really fascinating hearing about like, the early days of Acme and how, you know, how close it came to actually never even happening in the first place.
0: I will say that uh, that uh <laughs> this uh mafia or whatever the heck uh, <laughs> conspiracy thing, I guarantee that was the thing that Lewis wanted me to read so badly. And I had never, I knew Scott for a long, like, when, yeah, I, had yeah. the, when I had the morning radio job, he, mm-hmm. uh... He was around a lot, yeah. you know. I mean, he—that re- was when he was still, you know, running a ton of shows around town. Like the, you know, comedy galleries were gone, but he was still doing those one-night things, like in conference rooms at hotels mm-hmm, around mm-hmm. town. You wrote about uh, in the book about the twenty-five-year reunion. Those the good, yeah, what are they called? Uh, the, the original guys, yeah, the, the original five the guys, the original Louis five guys,
1: and uh, Alex Cole and th- those guys. They yep. did
0: shows at the out in Bloomington. I went to yeah. w- I went to a show, oh, one sure. of those shows that week, and uh, it, it's just it's so cool. Like, but. So I knew Scott from his, uh, you know, comedy coming into the morning show I worked and I did well before I knew Lewis. And those stories of those two, I, I didn't know any of that stuff, any of that stuff. I mean, I knew that they had crossed paths and there was clearly when Scott's name would come up when I've been here at Acme over the years. Like there's like, oh, there's some bad blood sure. there for some reason. But I never followed up or really had any idea why. Wow.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, And, you know, it's funny. I mean, I'll say this, too. I mean, I want to make sure that, you know, Scott Hansen was always great to me. Like, I won't say anything negative from that aspect. He was super kind. He was super generous mm-hmm. as far as helping me with the book. So I have sure. nothing bad to say about him in that respect. Um, You know, the stories speak for themselves, obviously, if you get the book, again, available right now from yes. the Historical Society Press. Um, <laughs> Actually, but the person I wanted to give a, a kind of hat tip to that I, I never really got to say anything was actually J. Elvis Weinstein. Because what a lot of people don't know is, you know. Jay Elvis was the one behind the the Acme documentary years ago, the oh, I Need yeah. you to Kill, and you know he obviously went to to Asia with Lewis and Pete Lee and Chad and Tom Segura. But what they don't know is he filmed another documentary, and that documentary was just the story of Lewis, of Lewis Lee essentially. Yep. And you know it was funny because I had interviewed uh, Jay Elvis for the book, and we talked. And he told me, he goes, this exists. Like, I have this. And he goes, I'm not going to give it to you. You know, it's up. It's Lewis's call if yep. he wants you to know. So when I called Lewis, I said, hey, you know, here's what I'm doing. I'd really like to talk. Obviously, you know, I've known Lewis for a while, so he he had that trust in me. So he said, yeah, I'll give it to you. And he sent it over. And it's funny because, and I probably, I probably have to buy J. Elvis a couple of drinks or dinner or something this week. But, you know, it's funny because he looked read the book and he goes, it feels like it was a, like, written novelization of of my documentary so he was like it's it's kind of wild to to actually see it now in the public so whether or not the actual documentary will ever see the light of day beyond the handful of people who've seen it or not i don't know but um no i mean the 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 story and, you know, Lewis' side of it really came from from a lot of J. Elvis Weinstein's work, so I owe him a ton for that.
0: That's so cool. Yeah. That's so cool, and I will forever be indebted to him because no one notices it but me, but at the very beginning of that documentary, No Laugh Track Podcast gets mentioned because Robert Barrill is up on stage, and he says something like, Oh, enact
1: me." it's like announcing what right. they do, and he's I like, do Oh, and Acme that. has their
0: own podcast, No Laugh Track, so this podcast will be forever be... uh in that documentary, and I look was... at that.
1: See, you got plugged, and I stole all of J. Elvis Weinstein's work. That's how we're. <laughs> that's how we're connected to the man forever. So. That's right.
0: You know, what? you and I actually have another thing that's sort of in common. In that Brian Miller, you said was doing some comedy writing. Yeah. And okay. then you kind of took over because of maybe you know, in, like, maybe not having a comic do that job. Yeah. Right. Well. There was an original Acme podcast that they recorded a few episodes of that Brian Miller was the host.
1: I did not know that.
0: Yes. Huh. And then there was a talk, and they didn't want They they looked at it as a conflict of interest, and they didn't want a comedian to host it. Sure. And then one of the managers that used to work here back then, Josh, he and I had a pretty good relationship, and then he came to me, and he was like, hey, this is what's going on. Would you want to do it? I'm like,
1: yeah. Very cool.
0: Yes. So- we both sort of took a job that Brian was doing temporarily, and
1: now 437 episodes later, this is what you're stuck with. You're stuck with me <laughs> talking about sex shops and bathroom fights. So, so thank you, Brian Miller. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh,
0: the sex shop stories are always good. So, I, um, if you have another one, please throw that out. Um, so let's see. We should. Um, I normally when I have a guest that has a book. I bring it along and ask them to sign it. We can't do that because I bought the e-book.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> So
0: I've only read it on my phone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll sign your phone would for you after will this. Will you please fine. sign the cover of my uh-huh. iPhone? No, that's fine. Well, I will bring you a copy. I will get you a physical oh. copy. Oh, I, I will wasn't, sign it. Well, I got all that. So I saw how, how you angled for that. I yeah, saw how you did that.
0: How can I try to get a, a freebie uh-huh. here? Um, but I, so I'm going to try to help you out here and say that when, when you sell a book, what is the how can you as the author that put all the time in where how do you get the most money in your pocket?
1: Um well once I get any money, I will let you know that. That'll be <laughs> oh, no. that'll be a really exciting day for me when uh, that does happen. All
0: right. Well what what um, what
1: way of purchasing it could get to that point well, faster? I mean, here's here's the reality of it. I mean, I just want people to read the book, to be honest with you. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's I mean, if people want to buy it from I would honestly I want to support local stores, obviously. So, you know, most of the local bookstores in Minneapolis-St. Paul have the book, so I would say you know support a local shop, go there. At the same time, if you want to support Big Daddy Bezos, get it on Amazon. That's fine with me. Uh, Historical Society has it. Um, like you said, you know the eBooks. That's all great. I mean, I I think I think I make money off of all of those. I genuinely have no idea okay. at this point, but okay. uh, you know I guess we'll find out. But no, honestly, for me, like, and this is such a, a cornball like. Man, I love to just do what I do for the people. But, like, it was just so cool to get the opportunity to be involved in comedy history. Like, how many people, like, all the things you love, right? Like... Everything, I feel like the story's always been told before. Like, nobody gets to write a history book in 2021. Like, that doesn't happen. Like That's a good point. S- somebody's going to get stuck doing, like, the history of COVID, but, like, that's just going to be <laughs> sad. I don't know. But, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, seriously, yes. it's going to be, like, OnlyFans and COVID. That's the only two things <laughs> left to write about that nobody's written about. Right. But, um, <laughs> like, it was just so cool because, like, you know, there's this huge in-depth you know incredible history of stand-up comedy in minnesota and the fact that nobody had ever written that book and i had the opportunity to like i really feel do feel really grateful to have the chance to do it and to be a little part of that comedy history and so. i mean let's face it, it you
0: the timing i mean scott passed away not that long ago i mean you were able to get his story before
1: he couldn't give it anymore it's true yeah you know he he passed away back in september and uh no i mean i was really like we said i mean all like take away the the organized crime stories and things i mean it was good because he he really was a huge part of the twin cities comedy scene i mean he he played a huge part in its history and yeah i mean i'm i feel really you know fortunate that i had the chance to be the one to help get that story out there because that's a big piece of history that i think needed to needed to be told Uh, absolutely one of the things that uh i'll say one more thing about him i i think
0: it was in the book cesario jeff cesario said something like you know the one one of the Great things about Scott is he had such always such strong media local media connections Mm -hmm. like he could get people on TV on the radio to promote the shows like he was so good at promoting and getting contacts with that and I saw that firsthand mm hmm all the time. I mean, I don't know how he ever got my email back 20 <laughs> years ago, but oh my god! Not, I, I don't have that account anymore. Yeah. It closed, so I can't get to him. But I was, I was hoping to bring some of these. Uh-huh. Like, just, they were so many, and so he was very good at that. He would come in to the morning show, and you know, he'd show up at 8:30 in the morning with a hot plate and sausages. <laughs> and, it, he would be cooking out in the hallway for everybody on the radio show. You know, office people are like, "What,
1: what is that? Right? What, nobody cooks in here." <laughs> going on, but yeah, there's Scott Hanson flipping
0: sausages.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, he was, I will give him this, and actually one quick segue into more Acme stuff. I mean, Scott was, I mean, from a promotional standpoint, he was very much ahead of his time. I mean, he had all sorts of unique, I'll say gimmicks, but like, you know, he even the ads, I'm sure you saw the press releases and stuff, would be very tongue-in-cheek, very, you know, wordplay. Some of them were probably pretty cringy, but it got your attention. Yeah. And it's funny, because for, you know, as I was going through the book and I'm looking at these ads... I'm laughing because, you know, it feels very, like, 80s and very, like, ha-ha, like, you know. And I'm like, man, I can't imagine, like, an Acme ever doing something like that. Until I talk to Jen Bryce. Let me tell you. I saw so many early ads of Acme Comedy Company. If anybody ever tries to tell you that Acme was above gimmicks, they are lying to your face. I love it. Okay? I love it so much. Did you know this club did a show one time called Guns and Hoses, which was a cop comic and a firefighter comic? And that was how they promoted it. Guns and Hoses, live at Acme. Um, So, yes, do not let anybody tell you that Acme was above gimmicks back in the day. I love that so
0: much. <laughs> uh, you saw, I think, the poster for the five-year reunion, right? Yeah. There was a, the 30 is this week, and there was the five-year reunion. I looked, so I have it right here on my phone. I'm looking at it. And some of the, and the names on there, uh, Kermit Pio, mm-hmm. who's someone mm-hmm. who was invited to uh, perform uh, this year, couldn't make it. Uh, a guy named Jack Mayberry.
1: Did you look at the names on this thing? I looked at him. I knew some of them. I didn't know all of them. I yeah. don't know Jack Mayberry. I looked
0: him up. He's a guy that did The Tonight Show like five, six times. Really? Yeah. Kind of a kind of a cornball uh, comic, but uh, I, and I don't think he's around anymore. Elliot Max, who do you know anything about El- Elliot Max? I know
1: the name. I don't really know a lot about him. So
0: uh, comedian Joe Larson, who comes here mm-hmm. annually. Yeah. that's that's his father.
1: Oh no, kidding. Yeah, okay.
0: and I encourage people to go back to oh my goodness, like the first year I, we did this podcast, there was a, Elliot and Joe were the guests, and we talk about a story about uh, boy, I hope I have this right, Dave Mordal. And Nick Swartzen sure. Back in the day, they basically tricked this guy into thinking he was the uh, Elliot Max, that he was the star of a parade, <laughs> and they 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 all like they put a float to, They built a float and and pulled it around downtown Minneapolis with, with this guy, thinking that he was like being honored for something, sure. and it was all just a joke to goof oh, on him. <laughs> yeah, but I'd heard that story from Dave Mordahl and then like and like like this is unbelievable. Yeah, and then I'm and then Joe and Elliot. Had Max come on the podcast, and out of nowhere, the story starts starts coming up. I'm like, wait a minute, are you you you're the guy? <laughs>
1: That's you. So how did I, he eventually find out blown. that he that he wasn't the the guest of honor in this party?
0: Oh, how did that end? I will say that he uh, I, I think it ended, and it affected him so negatively he didn't finish his week at the club. Ooh, okay. yeah. Well, yeah. Well, you mm-hmm. know. Th- I guess they really rained on his parade. Am I <laughs> Come right? On? Come ah. on. Uh, the two more names on that thing: Dana Gould. Who, mm-hmm. uh, if you're not a Dana Gould fan, I don't. I don't think you know comedy. And then a uh, Maria Falzone, who I had never heard of. I looked her up. She died a couple years ago. Oh yeah, sad, I believe sad, it. Yeah. Sad, sad, sad. But along those lines, I want to talk about. No, uh, I've been thinking back to all the guests I've had on this podcast since I started. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's been some, like one that I think is in the back room right now, Tim Slagle, that I've had on, I don't know, 15 times? Wow! 16 times, probably? Because we do, like, two a year. He has this week, and then he also does Crash and Burn. So we talk normally twice a year. Uh, I've had some that I've just had once and would love to have on again. I've had some that, like, have been my comedy idols, like Mm -hmm. meeting Jimmy Pardo years ago after I'd come to see him for years and just, like, he stayed up he stayed past uh, I think twice we did this he mm-hmm. was coming he would come to town and just do like you know, maybe Friday Saturday so mm-hmm. there's no chance to do a podcast earlier in the week sure he agreed to stick around after the late show and record that's when we did our long podcast oh, that's, podcasts. Cool. that's so, really cool yeah Jimmy Pardo and I were sitting here you know up past one in the morning one time doing wow. podcasts. yes that's he very didn't need cool. to do that no that, that's awesome all. and he's absolutely one of my favorites um I wanted to share, uh, since we're talking about the history, that yeah. I used to come and see Jim Gaffigan here. Oh, yeah. You know, before yeah. he was, it was the, you know, like he was perfecting the Hot Pockets era mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. his uh, of his shows. And, you know, the place was packed. And I, I, I don't think, maybe it's because the early days, and I had never really experienced it, but I can't, since then, I don't think I've ever felt... The whole crowd being so into a show uh-huh. than Jim Gaffigan. I mean, just the, the roar of the laughter and everyone. Like, there's not one person that was not just loving it.
1: Oh, yeah. He was so great. That would be really cool. Yeah, it's kind of crazy when you think about, I mean, obviously, I know Acme's brought in, you know, Names that were major names that you wouldn't see other places, but to see those people who were like right on the cusp, like you said, like I remember I saw Anthony Jesselnik here mm-hmm. right before he kind of became you know theater comic. Amy Schumer, I remember seeing here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Hannibal Burris, I saw here yes. a couple of times, and he was coming up. So it's really crazy because like these comics now, yeah, you're not going to see him in any place that's you know under a couple thousand people. But right. oh yeah, like it, this was this was the go to place to see him, which is why you know it's it's kind of crazy. And I mean, again. I've been coming here for, you know, 15 years, not the full 30, but just to think of that roster of people who've come through here is incredible. Yeah. It's it's just wild. Uh-huh. So yeah, and Daniel so many Tosh were be here. before he was yes. big doing Tosh.0,
0: I oh, used to see him here. Doug Benson was a week was yep. a annual show here and uh, he was he's always been one of my favorites. Um god, there's so many. Maria Bamford, mm-hmm. I've seen here mm-hmm. several times. yeah, before he was I mean, he was like doing stuff but not the Nick that he became, uh, so cool to see him. I grew up, you know, like I grew up in St. Paul. We have mutual friends. I didn't know oh, him yeah. growing up. Like my first introduction to Nick was a uh, a guy I went to college with was like, yeah, uh, dude, I went to high school with at Central is in a Barks root beer commercial. <laughs> I was like, huh? And that was it. And then years later, it was like, yeah, remember the Barks root beer kid? Yeah, that's Nick. He's on Comedy Central. Uh huh.
1: It's crazy. Oh man, you want to know what the funniest thing is? Do you want to know the most? Well, and this is so early on, I don't think I've ever told her this. The most starstruck I was early on was when I met Mary Mack. And now I've I've known Mary for so long now. But I remember I did the contest here. That's another story we'll get into. But I did the contest here the first year I lived here in 2007. And I think she was the, maybe she was the feature at that point. But I remember I was talking to her, and I was just like, "Oh my gosh! Like I can't believe I'm meeting you, and I'm such a big fan, and this and this and this." And I I pray that she doesn't remember that. I don't think she does, <laughs> or at least she's never brought it up to me again. But um, like you said, I mean, it was just one of those things where up until that point, I had never seen these these comics. Who you could see other places, whether it was TV shows or commercials or whatever, like all the time until I came to Minnesota and started seeing them in acne.
0: Yes. So I do know. Uh, another thing I know about you is you host like you've done it at least once or twice in the past a sobriety show here where you've done some stand up, correct?
1: I I don't know if I would Somebody kinda, told me you got up on stage at least one of those. I, I don't know if I qualify it as stand up. Okay. I would say I did I did a very I will say a guest MC slot. That's okay. what I'll say. Okay. No. Um yeah, I, a couple of years in a row we did a show here called uh Recovery Riot which was, you know, I got sober in Minnesota 6 years ago. And so a couple years ago, I, I called Lewis with the idea, and I said, hey, I'd really like to do this, you know, recovery, not really a recovery event, but, you know, like a sober event. Yeah. And and I said, what I don't want is I don't want it to be cornball, and I don't want it to be, you know, like a, I don't want it to feel like an after-school special, but, like, when I first got sober, it was one cuz I used to come here and you know I loved to here, but I used to come here and I would party here. I mean, I remember I was here for the 20 year anniversary and I'm very happy. I'm very proud that I lived through the 20 year anniversary. It was nuts. And that's with no mandatory drink minimum. Oh, It's yeah. all on you. Oh yeah, that was 100% my <laughs> fault. Um but like I remember I was telling them like, "Yeah, you know, I really want to do this event, but I want people to be able to come and just see that like you can still go places that are really fun, even if you're even if you're sober. Yes. And this was the number one place I could think of. I said, This is the place I still love going to the most. And, you know, Lewis and the club were super generous and they said, Yep, let's do it. You know, we'll we'll donate all the proceeds to a sober house in St. Paul. Oh, awesome. And the first year, you know, was just I mean, it went great. It was super gangbusters. I think we did, you know, like almost sold out. And then the pandemic hit. And I remember last year I was kind of like on the fence, and I was like, ah, we're in the pandemic, and things are tight, and I don't even know if I should ask. And I still floated the idea, and I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll ask him. And I even said, I said, I understand, you know, where we're at and all this didn't even hesitate, and Lewis was like, "Yep, let's go ahead and do it again." And and another really cool thing that they did that time was it's when they started doing the uh, the Zoom shows during the pandemic. Yeah, and so they actually piped this into every Hazelden uh, treatment center in That's the country. Right, yes. I heard about this. That so is so cool. It was really cool. So I mean, we had people in Texas and California and all these watching the show. And I remember this. And yes, to answer your question, I would say I mean I basically came up and I did the the quick intro. I was playing with a stacked deck, though, man. I mean, I was the one who did all the media. If you get up in front of a whole bunch of people who are, you know, newly sober, and I'm just like, I am one of you. I mean, I got the hometown pop. Like, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't fail. So, if that's where, hey, who wants some coffee? If that's where I go out, if that's my, if that's my moment in the in the sun of comedy here at Acme, I will take that. So, yes, <laughs> but um, we didn't do it this year. But I think that's definitely something we'll we'll pursue again in the future for awesome. sure.
0: So uh, now you and I have both, uh, we both uh helped judge the Funniest person contest several you know more than a few times correct yes absolutely uh, i don't ever hear you get introduced as former contestant
1: yes i'm really I, I i really hope that my time was before they were recording everybody so that there's no evidence of that anywhere <laughs> so so when you were so what what so you did you got up on stage and did some i did yeah i think 07 i think 07 was my my year um, you were already writing about, I, no, I think at that point I hadn't started writing yet. I think I was still just like a fan. Like I was still just coming in here. Cause I want to say I moved here in like May and I want to say I did the contest in like July. Okay. So yeah, I mean, yeah. I was still just like, just loved coming here and hanging out and all that. Yeah. So, um, I did not win. You'll be shocked to know. <laughs> uh, I would affectionately refer to my crowd, uh, reaction as, okay. Um, but here's, Okay. I've only told this story one time and now it's gonna be forever immortalized and this is gonna be this is gonna follow me forever. Perfect. I don't think I intended to do this. I don't think I did. But as I remember it, so my favorite you know, my favorite comic of all time is Chris Rock. I love Chris Rock. And I think if you were to go back and find a recording that said, I feel like it eerily would have sounded heavily borrowed from Chris Rock. Um uh, bigger and Blacker which let me tell you when you look at me Justin you think Bigger and Blacker so I you mean, and I, I
0: could uh, loan each other SPF 50s yes, if we're in yes. Yeah. so
1: I'm sure that the audience was completely on board with it but uh, <laughs> it was funny because like I think I you know I did my, my three minutes and I think I thought I was really good and really original and then I remember watching that special again and being like oh I kind of did that joke that's that's the bit I kind of did okay. I mean it's a little different but I kind of did that so, so if I would have won you know me and Chris Rock would have comedy beats <laughs> but apparently it was just not meant to be so there you go
0: <laughs> it was mine first <laughs> bullshit <laughs> you got to pay for your kids that was mine <laughs> oh that's hilarious wow so you you i mean a lot of people you know when i i mean that's a, obviously something that's come up uh, many many times on the podcast here is you know people's first time mm-hmm. and if they have a recording of it or any of the pa- like the notes from then you didn't you don't have any of that? No, there's No. There's no tape
1: that you set out, like the cassette, play record? No, nothing the like button. that. Nothing like that. No, I mean, I, gosh, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I don't remember all the details, but I remember it was like, I think I think I had a buddy in town, and it was like my buddy, my girlfriend, and I just like came down, and I think I had literally signed up like the day before, and it was one of those like they had somebody cancel, so I like slid in. Sure. Um. But no, nothing like that. And, and it's funny because, you know, and I, I've said this before, you know, I think when you, and you've probably heard this, when a lot of comics talk about their first time on stage, right, it doesn't matter how they did. If they got one laugh, they will be like, I was addicted. Like, that was it. Like, I knew oh, this yeah, is what I've I had that. to do. I didn't have that. Like, I didn't feel it. It was fun. I liked it. Obviously, you know, I love comedy. But, like, I got done with it, and I was kind of like, that was fine. Like, I could, I could do it again. Uh, I think I actually did, like four or five open mic nights here maybe Look at that. back then and then i just kind of like yeah this isn't this isn't it for me so fun story here sorry i didn't interrupt your stories but um yeah. this is one thing actually speaking of that open mic so this is my last thing and i promise i won't take over your interview anymore. oh i love it so the last time i did open mic here um it was probably sometime in like 07 or 08 i can't remember but um I'm all, you know, I'm all ready. I got my set together. I'm all excited. And I'm like, this is it. Like, I am ready. I'm going to kill tonight. Like, these people are ready for the comic stylings of Patrick Strait. And so I'm sitting there and I'm waiting for my turn. And you know how, like, Acme, if Acme, if it's your first time, you put a little star next to your name and you can get up. Well, I wasn't my first time. So I was, like, the first person after the first timers. Sure. And the person who went right before me was Andy Erickson. And it was her first time ever doing stand-up. And in all of, I mean, I have seen, I don't know how many shows here, hundreds of shows here. I don't think I've ever seen anybody crush as hard as Andy Erickson crushed in that three minutes of her first time up here. Just leveled the room. And then it was like, and now Patrick straight. And I think that was when I knew. I was like, you know what? Some people are born for this, and some people are born to write about the people who are born for this. I and, love it. Uh, that's yep. how me and Ac- that's how uh, me and Andy got to know each other, and that's how me and Acme found our places together. I love so. it.
0: <laughs> that's yeah. That's the experience headliners have sometimes when they get quote buried by the feature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: I love it. Yeah, I don't think I would call myself the headliner per se in the situation. <laughs> well, you know, but it was just, next man up. Yes, it was just so <laughs> wild to see like that level of natural talent too, because she was so good. And I mean, you've. I'm sure I know you've interviewed Andy up here. Oh, yes. I mean, Andy's Andy. Like, she's not putting on a persona for you. She's nope. not doing a character. That's Andy. Mm-hmm. And you could tell she was super nervous and all this, but I mean, it was just like I mean, she got done, and if she wouldn't have kept doing comedy, like it would have been a crime. I mean, the, yeah. that entire room was like, we need to see her get back up there and do yep. more. She's so. absolutely a natural.
0: Yes. And I, I, too, have memories of her early on, her just silly goofiness on stage. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, she mm-hmm. s- completely stood out any
1: time I saw her. Oh, she stood yeah. out from everybody. Oh, yeah. And, and still does, obviously. Yeah. So anyway, so if everybody is wishing they could be seeing more of my comedy, you'd blame Andy Erickson. <laughs> Andy Erickson and Chris Rock. That's who my my comic beefs are with now, apparently. So I'm really racking them up here in this 30 minutes here. Oh, I love that. <laughs> um, so let's go back to the
0: book. So it's it's available everywhere. Yeah. And I know, and there's so much stuff in there uh, about, you know, you know, Acme, and then, uh, you know, the uh, uh, all the Scott Hansen stuff, and the, the fall of kind of, you know, the, the bust, the boom, the bust mm-hmm, mm-hmm. comedy. Um, and I'm sure you have tons of stuff that didn't fit into that book. <laughs> so where is that? Is that going to end up end up somewhere? Will there be a second book? Are you, like, what do they do? Like, they do, like, not addendums, but they do those little, like, oh, here's an extra chapter. uh what are you, you, you going to add to it? Are you going to do another book?
1: Uh, I mean, I think that that story, I think, is done. I think that that history and that kind of that blueprint of here's how we got to, like you said, that initial kind of that mid-90s kind of bust and maybe kind of recovery period, like, I feel like that part's done. Um, yeah, I mean, the next plan is to is to do the book about Acme. That's the next plan. I think that there's, you know, obviously there's 30 years worth of stories and all this, and and, you know, just in writing the the story for Racket this week, it was incredible to me. Because, obviously, I mean, you've talked to 436 comics plus me, and you've heard all these stories. Like, there's so many great comic stories. The stories behind the scenes are just as, if not more fascinating to me, than some of the stuff that's happened on this stage before. So I think that was that's a story, and that's a book that... I think people would want to read, and I think that's a, a natural next step. So that's that's the plan.
0: Good. I I can't wait to see that. Yes, that, that will be fantastic. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a. Oh my goodness! I'm gonna
1: just... get barred from the club after that book comes out, but that's okay.
0: So. <laughs> oh my god, there's just so many names. There's so many people you could talk to, just endless.
1: Yeah, and you know it's crazy. Uh, I mean, even when I was talking to you know Lewis and. Jen and uh, Becky Johnson, who used to do some booking here when I was doing this Racket story, they were saying names. I didn't realize some of the crossover between characters in the book in those early days and Acme. Like, for example, I didn't know that Bill Bauer and Alex Cole were, you know, they did quite a few. They were here. They were performers at Acme for a while, and I had no idea. Me neither. Um, But, oh, yeah. So I saw some of the old ads of, you know, Bill doing shows and Alex doing shows. I don't know... I don't believe I mean Louis. I think was in California Scott certainly would not have been playing here and I don't (laughs) think Jurbina would have been but um but uh yeah I mean those guys were here you know Lewis had a great story about um Stephanie Hodge who was one of the kind of originals she from comedy cabaret days back in the early 80s yes she had performed here and I'm I'm going to butcher this. Was thing. comedy cabaret that had the silk jackets, those cool silk jackets? That was actually, that was the Dudley Riggs Club. Okay, that was the yeah. Minneapolis Comedy All-Stars, oh my yes. God. Hey, man, that's how you knew you were official <laughs> in the 80s. You guys all had matching silk jackets. Team jackets, comedy team jackets. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, you've never seen a tougher group of comedians than those four guys. <laughs> oh, I love that picture. they anyway, silk jackets. No, I was going to say, but Lewis actually told me a really interesting story about Stephanie Hodge one time after the book came out. He said she performed here... And I can't remember, I can't remember the circumstances, but the long and short of it is somehow Lewis kind of got, or the club got robbed. The club got robbed. I don't know, somebody broke into the safe or something had happened during that week. And he was like, okay, well, you know, that's, this is bad news. But like, you know, Lewis is very serious about, he doesn't screw comedians. If you are here, you're going to get paid. Like that's he, you talk to anybody who's been here, they'll tell you that. So he said, we got to pay Stephanie because she's, our performer of the week. And I'm not hundred percent sure, but you know, he got the money together and they, they went to pay her and she heard what happened. And she actually said, you know what? Like keep the money. It's more important to me that like, you know, you had the money to keep this place running because like, it's too important to, to twin cities comedy. And so that's why, you know, and talking to Stephanie, Hodge and I did the book? I fully believe that because she really was, very supportive of just the comedy scene as a whole, yeah. But it was just a really cool kind of crossing of you know Acme, which I've I've known kind of separately from all this history, but seeing how the two kind of came together and influenced each other, and I think it just kind of talks to you know Lewis's character. I think it talked to Stephanie's character. You know, I, everybody everybody came out looking good, and that's actually one of the stories to your point that you know I heard after the book would have come out, okay. but it was it was very cool to hear about that kind of interaction between the two. I can
0: uh, I, I, I can vouch for. I have so much respect for Lewis. He's just the, um, he's so loyal to pe- to people. I just, I I respect that so much about him, about how loyal he is to people. It's just incredible. I, pe- more people should be like that.
1: I how, think the world would be a better place. When are we going to start trashing Lewis? Because we've given him way too much, like, oh, well, way too I much mean, credibility. Like, we've been really just, really, I mean, just fluffing his ego up here. Like, when are we really going to dig deep into his, his organized crime roots and really get deep on that. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know, that trip to Asia was actually just him
0: collecting money from the family.
1: Oh, that makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. Acme, yeah.
0: Without that trip, this place would not exist. Yeah. He yeah. had to get. There was boats.
1: actually a fourth comic that went who didn't make it because somebody had to stay behind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. That is 100%. Right. You ever heard the term comedy blood money?
0: <laughs> this, is, this is where it, it originated. Uh, so I'm going to quickly look over my notes of things that I wanted to talk about here. Um, Let's see. We should I'm gonna give a shout out to Tracy Ashley, who's somebody that should have been that normally would be here for this anniversary yeah. this week. And she can't come because she has a really awesome job writing for the CBS series The Neighborhood. Yes. Uh she's a very funny uh comedian, very nice person. I love Tracy. And uh bummed that she can't be here, but that's just a name yeah. uh that, that won't be here this week. Aaron Rodgers has COVID. I don't know if people know that. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So he's not going to be here. Aaron Rodgers had to cancel because he has covid. Oh, covid's
1: not going to stop him from going anywhere. Let's be clear. <laughs> You're going to see Aaron Rodgers at the grocery store. Like he's he's not going anywhere, trust. He's he's not quarantining. So, I'm going to give you so there's a guy that
0: uh do you know the name Daniel Corrin?
1: Daniel Corrin. I don't think so. Is that
0: do you, Okay, well, he is a guy that performed here. He had a week at Acme. Okay. In the time that I've been doing this podcast, I look him up and it's almost like he doesn't exist. Like I, I think I, I can't figure it out. Like, how long ago was he here? Five, five, four or five years okay. ago. It's very strange. Do you know? Do you know that name, Brandon? Do you? Okay, man. I, I swear, it was. Like, I feel like was that was that a joke or something that he came and like just like he did he trick us into book? Did he trick act into booking him when he was wasn't a comedian? But he was really funny.
1: Yeah. <laughs> what was his deal? What was his like kind of stick? What was the he, whole thing? You
0: know what the thing that I remember about him the most that I don't think he did on stage is that uh, if you go on YouTube, he uh, he did he would do the he was like more performance art, okay, type thing, and it was um it, he does a thing and it's set to the tune of uh um what's the HBO show Game of Thrones? Oh, okay. But he goes. He, he changes it and it's just a song about Peter Dinklage of him going, Peter Dinklage, Peter Dinklage, Peter Dinklage, Peter Dinklage, Peter Dinklage. And it just goes on and on. Look it up. It might be enjoyable. But that's, a, I don't know, that, that name came up yeah. to me today when I was thinking about all the people that I've talked to. Like, I, If that name ever, if he was on the board, I'd be like, what? He does
1: exist? So here's a question for you. As long as we're on that topic, what's some of the weirdest stuff you've ever seen here? From a performance standpoint,
0: uh, okay, stands out to you. I've been thinking about that too. Ian Bagg, um, having saying stuff doing his show where he interacts with the crowd a lot, Mm -hmm. and a woman, uh, rushed the stage and tried to take the mic from him. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. We talked all about it on the podcast the day after because I was, yeah, I'm like, I saw it in person. That Mm -hmm. was nuts. She was accusing him of being racist. He's not. He Mm -hmm. wasn't. Okay. Uh, she ended up leaving, and uh, I encourage people to go back and listen to that one from a few <laughs> years ago with Ian Bank, That was bizarre. i pretty good. I'd never, se- good. I'd never good. seen that before. Yep. I mean, she got feet up on the stage. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yes, came from the back. It was like,
1: uh-uh. Uh-huh. Where were the fearless acne managers to make the, make the <laughs> tackle at that point?
0: Uh, uh-huh. She didn't. I mean, I don't yeah, I don't know if okay. they made physical contact, uh, so they, they got her pretty quick. That was a crazy one. That was definitely a crazy okay. one. Oh boy what else um i've seen (laughs) uh i've seen some amateur nights where i'm like you you know there can be bad amateurs that are like that can uh, but i think i don't know i saw one that just stands out i even if i remembered his name i couldn't say it but uh His material was so bad and he was so confident. It was like, How? How do you think this is good? Are you sure
1: it wasn't me at 25 (laughs) years old? It could have been. Like,
0: I've never tried. So I'm not, you know, I'm not like, I'm better than you and you're doing it wrong. Like, I I don't even, I've never even tried. Sure. No, I get you. Uh, but man, yeah. there have been. Some... Did you ever see
1: when uh, when Cy Amundsen would do his? I remember he did it for a very short period. He'd get up in the dress and he'd have the smeared lipstick on. Did you ever see him do this? <laughs> no, only on only online. Never. Yes, in person. I remember. I was. It was an open mic night. It was yeah. just like a regular. And all of a sudden he came out and he came from like you know from the crowd hopped up, and every it was hilarious. But you could tell like the people who knew him knew what he was doing. People who didn't was like, what am I seeing? Like who let this person oh, yeah. in? And I mean, it was incredible, and I think he ended up doing it a couple more times. But I remember that was that was a wild one.
0: Uh, I've seen Mike Lester body slam people on stage, <laughs> and vice versa. Yeah, it's been a few years, but okay. that that happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. But speaking of that, I've heard Mike Lester refer himself as the Rat King, and then I saw a thing mm-hmm. online today. Theo Vaughn, the comedian, calls himself the Rat King.
1: Yeah, and let me tell you, and this is, and I say this with all the love and respect in the world. Uh, if Theo Vaughn meets Mike Lester and he still has the audacity to say that he is the rat anything after meeting Mike Lester, he he's he's just, I mean, he's not even understanding what he's looking at. I mean, <laughs> Mike Lester is the true rat king of, of comedy and of Minnesota for that matter. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Lester, who, by the way, is one of my absolute favorite, most underrated comics yes. that I've ever seen Patrick, Acme, I light up when I find out
0: that he's going to be working. Mike. I get so excited. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I absolutely light up. I, I get so excited about that. Um. All right. So is there anything? Let's see. So people got to find your book. And then you have the still have a website that you're doing that we, I think, have mentioned, mncomedy.com. Yes,
1: mncomedy.com. That was the the website I started about a year ago now to, yeah, I mean, just to talk about, you know, comedy that maybe wouldn't be getting the the same mainstream press and you know like your your star tribunes your pioneer press you know comics who are coming to this club comics who are doing shows at other clubs in town yeah. breweries doing their own things yeah people, people should know were it's not of just a yeah absolutely everything. you know i really try to get you know as much visibility on the scene as possible really just kind of give people a little bit more exposure and yeah that's uh that's still going strong um, yeah, I mean, Racket, mncomedy.com, those are kind of my two main writing hubs. So what else fills your days these days? Oh, man, what else fills my days these days? I got kids, man. That's all I do now. I got parent-teacher conferences tomorrow night. That's going to be a whole thing. I don't know how that goes. Oh, But... Uh, how yeah. old are the kids? They're uh, gone. Six and one, yeah. Six and six one. Six and one, so... So we'll find out, man. I mean, the six year old just, I mean, all he does is try to fight me or show me whatever body part he, he needs me to look into. You've never seen horror until you've had a six year old when you've turned around and he's just spreading his butt at you and he just goes, Look at it. That's, <laughs> let me tell you, that's what my day is filled with now, Justin. That is, well, uh, I, that's my day. Yeah. need to
0: think, I just have daughters.
1: Man, man, you, you are lucky. How old are your daughters? 15, 13, and two. Oh, okay. Oops. Um, yeah, yep, I, yep. I too had a first wife and <laughs> yep. now
0: a se- you uh, remarried. Yep, yep correct? second yeah. wife. One so with I, the first, one with
1: the second. Yeah. Yep. Yep.
0: So I, I have that uh, as well. Okay. I had two yeah. daughters, but the first one and one with the second, yeah. and no more. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, that's at least you know what you're doing now. I am still like trying to figure out how to deal with the first one, and then I have another one like already moving around. So I'm just. I'm just trying to survive. That's all I do with. That. That's what's filling my days. That answers your question. I, I hear. I'm you. just hanging on.
0: I I hear you. Fair fair enough. Uh, I think we did it. I think I think we covered it. Awesome. Uh, people. So I mean, the main point is there are still some tickets available to some of these shows for the uh, the rest of the week here. Uh, I don't know if this is going to get posted immediately, I'm sure, but uh, people listening to it past Wednesday. Wednesday night's lineup that you may have already missed, Ben Washburn, Tommy Ryman, Mo, y- Mo Yakub, Andy Erickson, Trevor Anderson, Shannon Paul, Chuck Bartel, Brandy Brown, Nate abshire every one of them except except chuck Bartel and mo yakub have been on this podcast as well i want to give that attention tomorrow night uh or let's just say thursday night i don't know when you're listening to this thursday november 4 kastaki ekonomopolis pete lee Jill bjorgen tim harmston holy cow what a show friday early show seven tim slagle Derek hughes greg coleman david huntsberger uh they've all been on the podcast love all those guys Friday at 9 30 someone I always keep saying this. someone named Chad Daniels I think people have heard of him Ryan Stout Dave Fulton who is flying in from uh England to be part of this John DeBoer uh one of the most underrated uh, comedian everyone should know about he's so crazy funny uh and then uh Saturday seven o'clock Brian Miller original kind of host of this podcast and also filled in for me once there's one episode where I couldn't make it and we decided to have the show go on with him hosting and it's the one time so I'm a huge uh, mystery science theater yeah fan. and uh well, I know you got to talk to like Joel Hodgson and stuff right
1: I didn't actually end up oh, talking to Joel but talk. he is in the book but I yeah. did talk some of the mystery science theater yeah. 3000 so yep. I'm, a,
0: I'm a huge fan of them mm-hmm. got to know Josh over the years and whatnot the one time Frank Conniff has been on this podcast. I wasn't here. Really, TV's Frank.
1: Oh man, who I
0: like have a poster of at home.
1: Oh, that's funny.
0: I, I, I uh, never, I never got to meet him. So anyway, Saturday, uh, seven o'clock here at Acme. Brian Miller, Jackie Cation, Jay Elvis Weinstein, and Erica Rhodes. And then if I go the other way on my phone here, The Late Show Saturday. Uh, uh, Jake Johansson, Mary Mack, who's been mentioned. Mike Early, who recently got passed at the Comedy Cellar in New York. And David Crow, who has been on this podcast, who, uh, history of this podcast, shed tears talking to me once on this podcast. Really? He's you made him people, cry? He made himself cry. I did not make him cry. But he <laughs> talked about a very sensitive topic and started s- sobbing, and I was not prepared for that. Well, <laughs> I would have known that that
1: was what we were doing here. I, I could have <laughs> come with that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can I can still like make myself throw up or something. I don't know. I want to do something that makes this stand out. Like,
0: well, I didn't man. see that uh, sex shop uh, stories coming. So hey. I, I think I think we got some outtakes there, right, Brandon?
1: No, nobody ever does. Yeah, yeah. I think we got some outtakes uh, right there. My parents will be so proud. <laughs> will they listen? Oh, pff, my parents don't even know that I do. My parents barely know I have a book. You know what I mean? Like, and it's so last thing. So it's funny because for the longest time, I feel like everybody's parents are the same in that. You, they kind of get what you do, especially if you're in comedy. They kind of get what you do, but they don't really. And I remember I was talking to Greg Coleman a couple of months ago, um, right around the time that his last album, Dad's Garage, came out. He has a new album out this week as well. Um, but I was talking. Wait, to that's Greg- real. He really does another album. He's got another one it's called Sex Receipts. It's out uh, this Friday. I couldn't tell if that was a joke or not. Yeah, yeah, it's coming out. Love it. Um, okay. But I was talking to Greg, and I said, you know, I mean, you know, his dad's, you know, football Minnesota legend, yeah. and Greg's got all these cool things going on. You know, he's done work with. I don't know what I'm supposed to say and not say, but I know he's done, like, writing gigs, and he's worked with big names, and, like, Wanda Sykes and people like that, and so I was like, Greg, like, do your, like, what do your parents say, like, when you have all this cool stuff go on, he's like, ah, they don't really get it, I tell them little stuff, like, if I'm, I'm like, oh, I'm doing stuff with Wanda Sykes, they're like, oh, that's cool, he's like, but they don't really get it, and it was in that moment that I realized it doesn't matter how big of a deal you are in your circle, your parents are just kind of like, yeah, it's still just my kid doing whatever that thing they're doing is. Yep. So so that's kind of my parents with uh, with comedy. So, yeah. <laughs> They were going to – actually, it's funny, right before the pandemic, they I got them tickets to, uh, to Louis Anderson because Louis Anderson helped me out a lot with the book. Obviously, he's a big part of it. Yeah. And it was like this was going to be my moment to be like a big shot for them because they were going to like – he was going to come bring them backstage and hang out and all this stuff. And the show was like March 16th. And like March 13th, everything shut down. Didn't so, happen. Never happened. Ah! So so once again, I continue to be a failure and add Louis to my list of growing beefs. So.
0: <laughs> Louis Anderson, I've said this on the podcast; it's been years. He once, because I got to know him pretty, pretty well of uh, when for the when I had the uh, radio gig. Sure. And one time, he's like, "You know, Justin, I used to think you were a real prick." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, What did I you... have that in my pocket.
1: What did you do to make him think you were a real prick?
0: I was quiet and I was a little starstruck. Okay. And I just was a more observant than talkative. I just kind of like, you know, my job was, the, I wasn't yeah. the star of the show, yeah. I was the ninth banana. So I just stayed quiet wow. and I don't know, but yeah. I
1: thought you were kind of a prick. You somehow got the nicest man in comedy, in the history of comedy. I've, kn- I've known Louis for a couple of years, We've talked numerous times. I've never heard him say a bad word. And you got him to call you a prick. Like that's no. that's actually really impressive. Like I don't even know how I did it. Man, that is some <laughs> that's some Hall of Fame prick behavior. So congratulations on that. Completely <laughs> unintentional and not
0: uh, not even real. Because I have Voice has been a huge fan.
1: Well, I mean that's not what I heard, but yeah, right. you know, that's fine.
0: <laughs> um well this has been great. I think we should put a bow on this one. Um I mean, we've got to save stuff for the next time. Of course. Right? Of course. Yes. Right.
1: For when you run out of guests again for about the 900th episode of whatever. of to be.
0: So, yeah, it's tw- so in 2026? Yeah. 35. right? Five, you'll have the Acme book done by then? Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. If, if I mean, obviously it's going to have to get run through all the proper organized crime circuits to make sure that it's, uh, you know, it's fine to, to be put out in public. But, yeah, it'll be out there. <laughs> so. <laughs> Perfect.
0: Where can people follow you on uh social media?
1: and stuff? Yeah, uh I'm on, you know, like I said, website's mncomedy.com. Um if you want to find follow my personal adventures, I don't know why anybody'd want to do that. I'm um, just at Patrick Strait. That's S-T-R-A-I-T, which is honestly, it's it's gonna be a very big bummer for you. But um, no, I mean I would say, you know, follow Minnesota Comedy, and that's actually the full Minnesota comedy on Twitter uh instagrams mn comedy but yeah come check it out see what's happening in the state and uh you know and also like i said special shout out to my my friends over at racket who are still keeping the keeping the the media alive as far as alt media and talking about the local comedy scene and everything else happening in town
0: yep it's needed i'm glad that that's there for definitely. us and, and for you to have a gig for sure definitely uh and then final thing obviously come to these shows yes if there, there's one that i mentioned that uh, piques your interest i there's going to be a who's who hanging out at the bar. I mean, let's be honest. There's going to be some probably be some after parties here maybe. I would hang out. I would I would if you're any at all interested, if you're listening to this, you're interested. I would make a point to get here this weekend.
1: If you come this week, you're going to have a story. You're going to have your own Acme story if you come to any of these shows. There's no way you're going to leave here without seeing something you're going to remember.
0: Completely agree. I'll uh maybe I'll have one to share next week uh, back on the podcast. Perfect.
1: Thank you. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Awesome.
0: We're done.